no understanding what it would be one day when you, in all your majesty and awesomeness, will rule and reign over the entire universe. We are just living under the shadow. One day, Lord, we will see with our own eyes. In meantime, Lord, you've given us this awesome privilege to worship the one whom we are going to worship forever and ever. Oh, Lord, this is the day you set aside for your people where we can come together and worship you. We thank you, Lord, that this is the day of victory over sin, death, and hell, and you open the door for us that we might enter with courage, boldness, and confidence. Here we are, O oh God, that on this Lord's Day, want to sit under your authority of your word and learn the ways of yours so we may be examine our own life and Lord Jesus be conformed in your likeness. Blessed God, we pray that your Holy Spirit who has penned these words may illuminate our understanding that we may understand. I thank you, Lord, for each person, those who are here. Each person has a special need. O oh, Spirit of the truth, will you please minister to each one and may they leave this sanctuary knowing that they had been in the presence of God and being satisfied with your word. Will you please do so? We'll give you all the thanks and praise. We commit our life in your loving hands. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Yes, I wonder sometimes what it would be when he will reign forever and ever. Just wonderful. A very thought is excitement. That in this world we have a trials, testing, troubles, hardship, misunderstanding. But, oh, beloved, one day he will reign. And Revelator says in chapter 21, I believe 7 and 8, the old order will go away. And we'll have a new order. What a joy. That's why we are looking forward for that day. Thank you, beloved, that you are here. Now, listen, this September, we have a five Sundays. Remember, five Lord's Day. So 15th of the Lord's Day, that is the two weeks from now, we'll open it for question and answer. And you have any question, any comment, any compliment, any criticism, here I am. Will you please give it to me next Sunday, your question, so I can prepare myself and uh, be ready so we can have a wonderful time. And in the light of the question and answer, I will end exhortation for all of us so we can go with God, okay? So keep that in mind and pray about it. Anything you have personally, don't write your name. That's fine. Don't write your name. Just give me. And I hope I will prepare myself. And uh, if I need help, my pastor Marty will help me. But uh, we will definitely have a wonderful time. It's good for me to know whether I'm taking you right way or not. I need to learn. I need to learn.
even 45 years in the ministry, never stopped learning. And I thank God for that. And uh, so just keep in mind, um, keep that, and write down the question, anything, and hand over to me next Sunday, okay? That's the deal. Where we are studying the book of Job, it's a very practical, very informative, and very instructive, and also very challenging, because we all go through different trials and testings in life. And not only we, but our friends, our neighbors, our family members go through. And being a disciple of Christ, we must have the answer that how to deal with, how we can handle it, how we can be a comfort and strength. The book of Job fills that gap so we can equip ourselves and be an effective witness for the Lord. We all need that. We all need. We are not ready-made drop down from heaven. We all need to be equipped. And when you when we are when we are studying the book of Job, you know how Job had been taken robbed. Everything was taken away from him. And it was God was behind the curtain. Nobody knew because it is already written in the black and white in the Bible by the Holy Spirit, we know what had gone back. But Job and his friends did not know. Well, how do you do that? How do you handle that situation when you don't know? And many testing and trials, we don't know. Why is hitting us? How to handle it? As a believer, with whom the spirit of truth dwells. We have. The one who dwells in us is the greatest than the world ever known. So we should act wisely. We should act wisely than other people. Well, Job's friend were not that wise when they came to support Job. And many times we do the same thing. Many times we do the same thing, we messed up. Job's friend did not know, so they messed up everything. But through the mess, we can learn. Isn't it wonderful? Only in Christ, because the spirit of the truth is in us, so we are teachable. This is one good thing about believers, that we have the spirit of truth will lead us on our knees and say, Lord, what thou hast for me to learn. What thou hast for me to learn. And it's wonderful that that spirit helps us so we can grow. We all need to grow spiritually, friends. We all need to grow. And uh, this is one way we come together in Bible study so we can grow spiritually. Well, in chapter 5, Job's friend Eliphaz came along, and in chapter, chapter uh, 4, he already counseled uh, Job, not knowing, but he hammered him. And that we will again continue in our study. When we started, I, I pointed out Thomas Watson, the old Puritans, he said that counterfeiting friendship is worse than counterfeiting money. 
And you know, my friends, if you, we were talking, uh, Mark came three weeks ago and he said that, you know, it's wonderful if you want to see the, the true money, then you have to be mastered. No, you have to find out the counterfeit money. You have to master the real money. And this is exactly the same way. And uh, maybe this will be repetition, but it is good that we can get into again. An English publican, publication once offered a prize for the best definition of a friend. Among the thousands answers received were following the one answer, the one who one wrote, one who multiplies joys and divides grief is the best friend. Secondly, somebody said that um, uh, one who understands our silence is the best friend. And that's the definition of friend. Third, one said that a volume of sympathy bound in cloth. The fourth one said, a friend is like a watch, watch beats true for time and never runs down. These were fine, but there were one definition, won the price, and that is a friend is the one who comes in when the world has gone out. A friend is the one who comes in when the world goes out or gone out. Job, our beloved Job, certainly had three friends. Three friends. And we know that their name is Eliphaz, Bilad, and Zopar. Three friends. His three companies were the ones who came in when the whole world went out. Poor Job. But that proved to be his problem. Job's problem. It was Job's three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, who, ex uh, who entered his house, his life, Job's life, and actually pulled him down. Job's faith was going fine until these friends arrived. As this terrible trio came in, they also brought with them their bad counsel and wrong advice. Job would have been better off without them. Eliphaz was the first who spoke. Probably he was the elder among all other two. So we learn about him that Eliphaz gave the counsel or advice half truth. What he said, he was a theologian. What he said was right, but always there was a double meaning, and it was a dangerous thing. Half-truth is no truth. You know that. Half-truth is no truth. In chapter 5, we hear the rest of the counsel Eliphaz delivered to his hurting friend, Job. This reminds us how careful we must be in counseling others. God is discipling you. God is discipling you. It's wonderful, friends, that we can put ourselves in the hands of God to be disciple. It's wonderful, wonderful. We all need that. So main thought of this, the Eliphaz claims that God is chastening Job for his sin. Now remember that Eliphaz did not know what was, what went ahead, what, what went behind in Job's life. But what had happened, he like the disciples in Luke, uh, John chapter 9, he said, who sinned? 
whether this man, his father, who sinned as a result that he was born blind, jump to the conclusion that because the sin is the cause, definitely sin is the cause for many things. But in the context, it was not the cause. You, know, you and I know. So what Eliphaz, Eliphaz claims that God is chastening Job for his sin and urges him to bring his case before God, believing that God will restore him once he has punished Job. God always disciplines. We will find out later on. So here in chapter 5, verses 1 through 16, Eliphaz says that Job is suffering for his sin and should bring his case before God. It's partly truth. That's absolutely. We know that we, when we falter, when we fail, it's better to go in the presence of God and get right with God. That's very true. But it's not always God is sometimes disciplining us or God is doing something in our life we don't know. And that's why we have to trust God. We have to trust God. Well, chapter 5, verse 1. Uh, so keep your Bible open. Keep your Bible open. And let's go chapter 5, verse 1. Pastor Marty, can we turn the fan on? Please, thank you. Chapter 5, verse 1, please. Thank you. Here he says that, call now. Is there anyone who will answer you? In other words, Eliphaz is telling Job, Job, you are going through this because you have sinned. So you call now. Call now. And, uh, and then he says that, uh, in, in the words that even the Holy One will, if you turn, he will not answer you. That's, that's ridiculous, isn't it? He said, call even the angels. In other words, Eliphaz was telling, no one would able to rescue you. Is it true? Is it true nobody is going to rescue? He said, no, even angels cannot rescue you. Well, Eliphaz did not know what God through angels did in the Old Testament. Right? What happened when Lot was drawn out from Sodom and Gomorrah? Who helped him? Angel. Angel. Angel rescued him. Genesis chapter 19. And then what happened to Daniel? Daniel was accused for not worshiping the king. You remember, as a result of that, he was thrown into the where? Lion's den, right? Go back to your memory. Lion's den. And the next morning, early morning, king, he was not able to have a party because he loved Daniel. So he came early morning, and what did he say? Daniel, the servant of the most high God. What a powerful testimony by a heathen king to a godly man. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, he says that, O king, the angel of God has shut the mouth of the lions. Angel ministers. You know, turn to Hebrews, please turn to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. 
Thank you. Who are the angels? Who are the angels? Ministering spirit. God dispatched Gabriel to Zechariah. You remember? God dispatched Gabriel after six months to Mary. God dispatched the angelic host to shepherds and brought the good news of the Savior. God did minister. And even this morning, Pastor Marty pointed out about Hezekiah, that Assyrians were camping around and one angel knocked down 185,000 people. God has a ministering spirit for his own redeemed people. Here Eliphaz was telling that even you turn to God, there is no help from you, no help from anyone the, to which the Holy Ones tell you, turn according to Eliphaz. Even not angels will help you. But my friends, I just have a good news. We have God who is mindful of our need. And he supernaturally dispatched the angels. Even we don't understand. We don't understand. But Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm sure you might have experienced in your own life the angelic spirit ministering to you. We have experienced, my friends. We have experienced. Missionaries have experienced in the past. Missionaries experienced that. That's a monumental testimony. I just want to encourage you, friends, that we have a living God who is mindful of, and when, he, when it needs, he will dispatch the ministering spirit to comfort, encourage, and strengthen. In the person sometimes. In the person. And, um, you know, when we came to the Bakerville here, where they wanted to hear God's word, and we came here, but... In one year later, they turn, our, turn against us. And we were going through hell in Bakerville. Hell. And uh, I, we are up to here. And I had a ministering angel. You know who was that? Pastor Marty. He stood with us. He stood with us, encouraged us, when we were going through the deepest black cloud. Thank God for that. And we have... That's what how the Lord does. That's how the Lord does. Eliphaz was wrong. Eliphaz was wrong. And then in verse 2 says, for the wrath kills the foolish man. <laughs> the wrath kills the foolish man. And uh, envy slays the uh, simple one. For the wrath kills a fool. This is how Eliphaz interpreted Job's lament spoken earlier. His bitterness would destroy his life. Eliphaz went on and on and on, judging Eli, uh, Job. And he said, this is how Job had acted. Life, a person without God. And, and he, we know that he is the one whom God testified, a blameless man, a blameless man. And here is the friend and putting him in such a odd condition. And, and then he said, the envy slays the simple. It is clear that Job was being referred here. According to Eliphaz, all Job's emotional wailing would destroy him. 
Job was wailing because he did not know what was going behind. And here comes the friend and telling him that your wailing would destroy you, turn back from, from your sin. How can you judge? That's why it is very important, friends. When you counsel, when you comfort someone, you remember, you remember. Don't jump to the conclusion. Don't jump to the conclusion. Eliphaz did that. Verse 3 and 4. Verse 3 and 4 says, I have seen a foolish taking root, but suddenly I, cur I, I curse his dwelling place. I myself have seen the fool taking root. According to Eliphaz, Job was the foolish man who had been, you know, who is foolish man, Bible says? The one who doesn't know God. Psalm number 14, verse 1. A fool says in his heart there is no God. When Eliphaz says he's a fool, he's talking about Job doesn't know God. The opposite was true. Job knew God. Job knew God and God blessed Job because of his blessings. I myself have seen fool, fool taking root. According to Eliphaz, Job was the foolish man who had been planted in the soil of prosperity and had begun growing, but suddenly his house was cursed. Now Job has suffered the loss of everything, proving himself to be fool. Job was not fool. He was not fool. We knew his testimony, how God testified about Job. How Job, how God testified about Job. And one, another thing, uh, Job's friend, uh, Eliphaz, he said, your children kill or die because of you. It's a hard way. When the person is going through sorrow after sorrow after sorrow, instead of comforting him, He's jumping on, he said, because of your sin, your children died. Can you imagine the guilt putting on Job? Your ten children being cursed, crushed in the court without defender. This was the merciless indictment of Job, who was being charged as a responsible party for the death of his children. Verse 5 and 6. Verse 6. Eliphaz said, The hungry consume his harvest. The devastations of the barbarian was seen in taking of his harvest that was once protected by God. This great personal loss suffered by Job was seen as occurring because his unconfessed sin in his life. Yes, there is other side. In the time of Judges, when the children of Israelites sinned against God, God brought Midianites, Assyrians, Philistines to punish them. That was a different story. In, 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 in Judges chapter 6, Midianites, during the time of Gideon, they came and took, away, took all the harvest, kept them bankrupt. That was another story. But here... They're charging Job. 
He's charging Job that your harvest has been destroyed because of your sin. Because of your sin. So you confess your sin. Come back. Eliphaz remark for hardship does not spring from the soil, nor does trouble sprout from the ground. Believing everything happens for a reason. Yes, we know that. Everything has a reason, right? Everything has a reason, everything has a season. Everything has a reason, everything has a season. And for the believers... Nothing surprises for us when anything comes in our life. You agree? Because we have a greatest verse in the New Testament, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Everything, God make it work. Isn't it beautiful? I love it. And you know, in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, God works and wills according to his purpose. And that's why God doesn't need my advice. God doesn't need my advice because he works according to his own counsel. Everything has a reason. Um, Eliphaz was right in that way, that everything has happens with a reason. Eliphaz asserted these afflictions did not appear from nowhere. They had been sown and cultivated by Job. Hello, Eliphaz, you're wrong. You're wrong. According to Eliphaz, Job was reaping what he had sown that way. This is a scripture principle. It is a scriptural principle, Right? What you sow, you sell. If you plant orange, you can't expect mango. It will come orange. It will come, definitely. And I always say the payday always comes. Sooner or later, it will catch you. So beware. Beware. What you sow, you shall. Sometimes the price is high to pay, but then it comes, it comes. When you keep on smoking, don't expect health. It will catch you, catch you. Verse seven, as surely as the sparks fly upward in the fire, so man is born to a trouble. We all know. We all know. Man, by his own sin, brings trouble. That's so true. Thus, it, it, it was inevitable that Job would suffer as he did, since trouble knows no exceptions. But it is out of the context. Out of the context. Well, definitely the trouble is there because even Jesus confirmed that, right? What did he say in John chapter 16, verse 33? What did Jesus say? John chapter 16, verse 33. In this world, you have trials and tribulations. 
But hang in there. I have overcome. Jesus acknowledged that. Jesus acknowledged that. Because God always works behind. We never know, but Eliphaz was absolutely wrong. Verse 8. In this verse, he had, Job, Eliphaz advised Job to appeal to God. Eliphaz said, I would seek until, unto God. Here, the seed is the first planted into Job's mind that he should present his case to God. That I, I would lay my cause before God. You know, this is wonderful, my friends. This is a good advice. When you go through the trials and testing, the first person to be called on is God. Not the last person. How many people, at last they call, Pastor, this is what is going to happen, is happening. But in the beginning it happens, call, I need help. Call God. Call God. You know, it's a laughing matter. Because when you are, want to reach to the office or doctor's office, he said, um, you, you know all the machine, this is, if you want to uh, see doctor this, press button one, two, three, four, five. And, and you get tired. You say, oh boy, one after two, three. But when you call God, God doesn't say, Peter doesn't say, if you want to reach John, press one. If you want to go to uh, uh, Andrew, push button six. Jesus is not available right now. He's very busy. There's no answering machine in heaven. There is no pushing button here and there. He said, call and I will answer you. And you know, my dear beloved, God's line is never busy. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and sorrow, we can take it with him. He's the only one who understands. I love it. I love my God because he is the one who stands beside me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he doesn't let me go by myself. He ushers me in his presence. I'm looking forward that one day he will usher me. I'm excited. Excited. Eliphaz was right that call, call put everything before God. And my friend, this is the wonderful way. Anybody, any, anything going through, advise them. Let's pray to God. Because he's the one who understands you. If you need to shed the tears, shed the tears with them. Let them know you care for them. Don't give just advice, but understand the pain. Then, it is worth, worth. I, I always quote Eli, Elijah. He's my favorite man. Next to Jesus, I want to shake my hand, Elijah. Zarephath woman's son died. She was hurting. She was hurting. What did Elijah do? Give me your son. 
I understand your prayer. Give me your son. He went on his knees and said, God, why did you let this happen? And the son was revived. He brought his, her son back to her and said, this is your son. What did she say? Now I know that you are the man of God. When would your neighbors, when would your loved ones, when your friends, when would your colleagues would know that the truth in you is from God unless you understand their pain? I always call that is the fifth gospel. We have four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? And the fifth gospel is the gospel of our life. Our life speaks more than our words. Job, uh, Elijah, uh, El El uh, Eliphaz gave a good advice. According to Eliphaz, Job should understand that God performs wonders to great, so great that they cannot be fathomed. If I pause for a second, my friends, and give you an opportunity to go back to your memory and think about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did a marvelous thing in your life. I'm sure you would fill the whole page and still you will not have enough room to put everything together. God has blessed us much more than we deserve. Every day, beloved, every day on my knees, I say, Lord, when we crossed the Atlantic in 1985, we came with eight suitcases, and now we have four camps, one here, one in Chicago, one in Houston, one in Florida, four camps. God has blessed us with who we are, friends. Clay, clay, and still his eyes are on me, my family. I have no words to express my gratitude. This morning, Pastor Marty was telling about this church building, how many times I heard it. But he always refreshes. This building is the testimony of God. Job, Eliphaz reminds him, that understand that God performs wonders so great that they cannot be fathomed. His works are so awesome. Friends, may I suggest you one thing? I do that. That's why I, pra I practice, I tell you. When you go down, depressed, discouraged, count the blessings. Just blessings. Don't pray. Count the blessings. And thank him. Your heart will fill with joy and gratitude. We sing that song, count your blessings, name them one by one. It will surprise you what God has done. Count your blessings, name them two by two. It will surprise you what the Lord can do. Count your blessings, name them three by three. It will surprise you what the Lord can be. Count your blessings, name them four by four. Because there are many more. When I go to the nursing home, my first assignment to the every time 
I say, when they come in a wheelchair, I said, I'm going to give you a ticket if you go fast. And you know, that breaks the barrier. And then they always think about their house, their belongings, their cooking, everything. And now they don't have anything. Everything is taken away. I have to reprogram their mind and say, hey, have you thanked God for wheelchair? Have you thanked God for those who are cooking for you? Filling their mind with gratitude. When you fill the mind with gratitude, depression will fly away. Depression will fly away. How awesome are God's works that they challenge our comprehension. And you know, my beloved, that's how we have to teach our children to be grateful. Grateful. How God has blessed us. His divine miracles, numerous way, highlighting some of these works of God who giveth rain upon the earth and he sendeth the waters upon the field. Oh, friends, this is, every morning I just worship the Lord. I say, Lord, you are the God of the mountains, God of the valleys, God of the rain, God of the drought, God of the famine, God of the plenty. I worship you. Is it not that God we have? We can learn from the scripture who God is. Who God is. Don't just consider the blessings. It's wonderful to count the blessings. But also the other side of God is also there. He's the just, he's the just God. He's a righteous God. He's a holy God. Numerous blessings the Lord has bestowed upon his children. You know, Paul was talking in Lystra. There was an audience where heathens, okay? There were two ways apostles preach. When apostles preached to the Jewish people, they always went back to the covenant. Always went back to the covenant. And then they preach in Acts. Study the book of Acts. It's a marvelous book. And then when apostles spoke to the heathens, they always spoke about creation. Because everybody understands creation. Heaven declares the glory of God. David says that. And when Paul was pre preaching in Acts chapter 14, turn with me to Acts chapter 14 verse 17 please. Acts 14, 17. This is how Paul preached to, uh, to Lystra people. It's wonderful. You know, it, it's wonderful to know your audience and then present. Someone can read chapter 14, verse 17, please. Thank you. Well, wonderful, isn't it? He gives it. You know, when you read Jeremiah chapter 5, thank you, Tim. When you read Jeremiah chapter 5, he said, God has set the boundary. God has set the boundary in creation. Nobody, nobody can cross the boundary. That is God. 
you will find that in Jeremiah chapter 5. It's wonderful. And then chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. Job chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. Someone can read that two verses. Beautiful. Chapter 5, Job 5, 11, 12. Thank you, Jim. It's a wonderful that who God is by this divine sovereignty, the lowly he sets on high. That is one of the commandments James gives in James chapter 4. There are 10 commandments from James. And one of the commandments that he set the lowly to the highest. Oh, and then he said, God hates the pride. God hates the pride. God opposed to proud and he gives grace to the humble. One of the, one of the things God hates, you know, always that God loves everybody, but God hates pride. Six things God hates. Seven things. Proverbs chapter 6. You can go back. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, 17. You find out God hates pride, but he gives grace to the humble. Those who mourn, may be exalted on high. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be fill the gap. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's what Eliphaz says that. Eliphaz says that. Those who mourn may be exalted on high in a different way and, high, and lifted to the safety God champions the cause of the helpless. Isn't it wonderful, friends? God champions the cause of helpless. Once upon a time, you and I were helpless. Paul writes in Romans chapter 5. We were without God, without strength, without, without help. But God demonstrated his love while we were yet sinner. Christ died for us. God is champion for the cause of the helpless and praise God that he caused, he, he championed my cause of helplessness and brought me, ushered me in the presence and give me new creation, make me, made me new creation. Who would defend themselves? What is more? God thwarts the plans of the crafty. Oh, friends, God thwarts the plan of the crafty. You know why? Because he's a sovereign God. God thwarts the purpose of the crafty. You know who comes to my mind? I was preparing myself and I went back to Genesis chapter 31. Jacob with his whole company, they left Levan, his father-in-law. And you remember Laban went for a, for a business. When he found out that his son-in-law with his daughters and grandchildren, they left. So Laban ran after with his company to get him. And what happened? What happened? He had a mind set to, 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 to um, punish 
uh, Jacob. But then what did he say? You know, it's a wonderful verse. Uh, be, before we close, turn with me to Genesis chapter 31, verse 24 and 29. Genesis chapter 31. This is what Eliphaz says. He thwarts, he thwarts the plans of the wicked one. Genesis 31, 24 and Thank you, Pastor. Isn't it wonderful? I love it, my friends. This is the God we serve. That a wicked came along, he wanted to damage Jacob. The Lord appears in a dream and says, Hang on, don't you touch him. Otherwise, you are dead meat. And God meant it. Because God, those who are his, heaven is behind him. Nobody can touch. Nobody can touch. Only thing we must be careful is my life is in his hand. Or am I holding everything in me and asking God to help me? That will never work. If you are on the Lord's side, remember Romans chapter 8. If God is on our side, who can be? Is, there, is, is it not God true to his word? He stood with his word. And he will stand with your children. Oh, my friend, this is the God we serve. Nothing will work against you when your life is in his hand. Sooner or later, they will pay the price and you will rejoice. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so very much for reminding us who you are. Thank you, Lord, for the practical lessons and applications we drew from Eliphaz's counseling to Job. Heavenly Father, you have also reminded us how much we need to be careful about what we say, what we do, those who are hurting. Help us, O oh God, that we might be truly living letter of Christ. So when the people read us, there would not be any discrepancy between our life and the word of God. Prepare us, O oh God, as we get into the worship service and bless the truth of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.